Welcome to the Connecting Place podcast. Here is Pastor Joe Caminetti. I want to welcome you to Believers Church. And for those of you that don't know, uh, Royce Vandervoort, one of my dear friends, did the announcements. And he is an avid Pittsburgh Stiller fan. But we had a bet, and the Browns beat the Stillers. <laughs> and he had to do announcements with a Browns jersey on. So <laughs> that He texted me after he did these, and he said, I feel more defiled than I've ever felt in my life. And, but I told him, you know, the Browns had to overcome some incredible obstacles to beat the Stillers. Um, we had to beat their third-string quarterback, and we had to beat them in spite of eight fumbles. And that was hard for us to do. But we did it, so Royce is a good sport, and he wants to bet on the last game, so I'll have to decide if I want to <laughs> do that. Um, I'm excited that you're here. This is a series titled Bulletproof, Armed for the Crosshairs of Life. This series is all about you and I learning uh, and increasing our understanding on how to put God's bulletproof armor on. It's found in the great text, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. And we are having a blast as we learn this. And what it enables us to do is withstand the storms of life and overcome the attacks of our enemy. Now, I'm excited about today, and I want to begin with a story. This is a real-life story. Uh, When I was going into my freshman year of high school, I decided to play football. And I had never played organized football, so I have no clue what football's all about. I just assumed it would be 10 fun games But uh, I had to go to summer conditioning, and that first week happened to be a really, really hot week. And uh, I remember the first night, it was murder, but I could tell the coaches were taking it easy on us. So we come the second night of conditioning, and of course, their motto, which most coaches' mottos probably would be, is just simply run, 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 and then run some more, and that's what it's all about. So they're running, all, making us run all kind of sprints, you know, 50 yards, 10 times or whatever, and then 20s, and then 60s, and then quarter miles, and then miles as fast as we can, and then agility drills where you have to jog in place the whole time, and all of that. And while this is going on, I'm having this battle in my mind. The battle is quit. <laughs> Walk off the field and just quit. And I came out, I thought I was in decent shape till I started this practices. And my mind is fighting me like crazy to walk off and to quit. Well, we came to what the coach said was the last drill. And many of the guys will know this drill. We call it a ladder drill. People call it suicide drills. It has all kinds of names. But uh, they lined us up, you know, 10 or so in a row with multiple rows. And we're all on the end zone line. And the coaches went out to the 60-yard line. And the idea of this drill, that's why they call it a ladder drill, is you have to sprint to the 10-yard line, touch it, sprint back to the end zone line, touch it, sprint to the 20, touch it, end zone, 30, touch it, end zone, 40, and you do it all the way to the 60. And, and you can't jog. The coaches are all around you screaming, Caminetti, quit dogging it, Caminetti, you're dogging it. Sprint, Caminetti, pick those legs up, Caminetti. And while I'm running this first ladder drill, I literally... I literally, I mean it right around the 40, thought I'm going to just keep jogging to the locker room and go home. I didn't sign up for this. I signed up for 10 games. I finally made it, and I don't know how, and I go to the back of the line, and there's two or three rows that hadn't run yet, so we're getting a breather while they run. 
And then we get back to the first row that started, and I'm a couple rows behind them, and the coach runs them a second time. And at that point, I'm like, I can't do this again. Then I did something that I, I did by chance. I had no idea that it was a biblical principle, had no idea that it, uh, I was actually doing something that uh, people have learned to do uh, through the Bible. And here's what I did. I start thinking about going home, and here was my, my goal. When I get home, I'm going to eat an entire, entire chilled watermelon and jump in the backyard pool. And my mom had a couple big watermelons in the fridge, and I thought, I'm eating an entire watermelon, then I'm jumping in the pool. And I'm going to stay in there for a couple hours and let my sore body uh, and my scorched skin recuperate. And I thought about that, and it's amazing, as I'm thinking about I can't wait to eat the watermelon and jump in the water, it's like I'm still dying, but it took me to another place. And so I get down to run the second suicide, and it, it hurt, but I'm able to do it because I'm thinking watermelon and pool, watermelon and pool, watermelon and pool. That's what's going on in my mind. And so I did the second one. I didn't quit, which amazed me. And then we come back up to the start of the line, and the coach blows the whistle and says, hit the locker room. And I went home. Couldn't eat a whole watermelon. It was big. I ate a half watermelon, and I jumped in the pool. The next, the next night, I thought about watermelon in the pool the whole practice, and then I did it the next night, and pretty soon I got in shape, and it wasn't as bad. But I learned something that I'm going to teach you today. And many of you may know this principle. And uh, what I want you to walk out of here today understanding is real simple. Seeing the battles end strengthens you through the end. And me, seeing the battles end was watermelon and pool. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do when this practice is over. And when you're in the middle of a really tough battle, you have to learn to see the battles end and that will enable you to go ahead and finish that battle. It will strengthen you all the way to the end. And I'm really excited about what we're going to learn today. Now, I have three connected problems, and my goal is to answer these questions, solve these problems for us as I teach this lesson today. So here's the connected problems. Uh, the first one is this. Many Christians don't realize that some battles can't be won, only endured until the end. And if you think a battle can be won that can't be won, you're going to be really frustrated when you lose. And so uh, we'll show you what that is, and I'll show you what I mean. Here, here's another problem. Many Christians don't realize that they have to be extracted from some battles. There are some battles that you and I face that we can't even fight. We simply need to be extracted. And you have to understand that. And, and here's the third problem. Many Christians give up in the middle of a tough battle. They could have won. And, and I see this over and over again. And I watch people, the battle's a little bit too extended. And because it's, it's taking longer than they think, they just walk away. They give up. They give up on God. They give up on, on the win. And that's why I want to help you understand how to put this piece of armor on that helps you see the end of the battle while you're in the middle of the battle. And it's absolutely phenomenal what it does. So I want to show you now why, why battles aren't won. And I've come up with four reasons, just so you understand this as we get ready to talk about this piece of armor. So here's reason number one. Some battles can't be, some battles can't be won. And what I mean by that is this. Relationship battles can't always be won. 
We want them to. But when you're in the middle of a relationship struggle uh, with a friend, with a parent, with a kid, with whoever it might be, a mate, sometimes relationship battles can't be won. You want to, but God cannot force somebody to do the right thing. And, and sometimes you have to walk away from a relationship. As much as you don't want to, you just simply have to walk away from it. And here's what, here's what I wrote down. Sometimes the win is enduring through the battle until the relationship ends while keeping your peace, joy, love, and walk with God intact. And you'll see that this is a theme, keeping your peace, joy, love, and walk with God intact. And I'll, I'll do my best to show you how that's done in today's lesson. We always strive to fix every relationship, but I don't know about you. I have had a lot of relationships that I no longer have, but I sure tried to keep them. I was not able to keep them. And I found peace in knowing sometimes relationships end, but I did everything I could, and we'll talk about that, and you need to do everything you can to make an, an, a relationship work. Uh, here's the second re reason why battles aren't won. Some battles call for extraction, not victory. And, and, and here's what I'm referring to. Persecution battles aren't to be fought. And, and uh, we have to understand that. We need extracted. We need God to deliver us uh, from persecution battles. And, and you can't fight them. Jesus said, turn the other cheek when you're persecuted. So you have to understand it's a battle, but it can't be won. You can be extracted from it. We need, we need a helicopter to come, and we need an extraction uh, from that battle. So listen to this. The win is enduring through persecution battles while keeping your peace, joy, love, and walk with God intact until deliverance comes. And this, this piece of armor we're going to look at will help you keep your joy, your peace, your walk with God intact. Here's the third reason battles aren't won. Some battles are tougher than we are. <laughs> if we're not completely armored, we will probably fail. And this statement is not meant to answer why to every battle that you or somebody you love lost. That's not what this is about. But this is about armor. And, you know, there's many times we could win a battle if we did have our armor on, but we lose. And one of the things that really hurts me is when people lose battles, they become bitter with God and they kind of walk away from God. So if you've ever lost a battle, listen to this. The win, when you can't win is enduring through the battle's defeat while keeping your peace, joy, love, and walk with God intact, picking yourself up at the end, listen to this, and making a decision to grow. It's like, yeah, I lost. I'm not going to blame God. He's perfect, but I'm going to keep growing. And you know what? I lost some peace and joy while I got beat up and got knocked down my backside, but now I'm going to fill myself back up with peace, love, and joy and I'm going to keep going after God, and I'm going to grow my spiritual life. And if you can learn to do that, then you can come back from a battle that you were defeated at. And here's reason number four. Some battles take longer than we think they should, and we give up. We could have won them if we didn't give up in our minds. And listen to this. Long battles can make us weary and cause hopelessness. And if you've ever been in the midst of a long battle, man, you can feel like... I can't take this anymore. And you just simply want to walk away from that battle. So only enduring to the end can enable us to fight to the end. The only way to win long, drawn-out battles is to put the endurance, peace, 
of armor on. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We have to see the watermelon and the water. We have to see the battle won in order to survive those types of battles. So here's our text, Ephesians 6:17, and it reads like this. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Next week we'll deal with the sword, the lance of prayer, the shield. Uh, they're basically the same principle, exactly the same principle. We just release them different. So we'll deal with them in one lesson. But today we want to talk about our helmet, and our helmet's made of a substance called salvation. It's a cool substance. And we'll talk about this substance with you as we progress. Remember, Paul's comparing our armor with the armor of a Roman soldier. And uh, God did this so we have an image. We can see. You know, you think about the sword. Uh, all of us have watched a movie where they use swords, whether it's the Roman soldiers or it's the knights or whoever it is. And we know what swords do. And when, when God tells us you can speak the word and that's a sword, we understand that when we speak the word the right way, we can knock something out of our life like a sword would knock a person down or, or kill a person. You and I have shields. We know what shields. God's just, God is painting pictures for us, so he paints a picture with a helmet. So let's compare our helmet of salvation with the Roman soldier's helmet. And here's what it looked like and where it was located. You can see from the picture back here what it looked like. It was very ornate and beautiful engravings and etched. They really put a lot into their helmets. It covered the soldier's cheek and jaw all the way to the bottom of the back of the neck and you know I, riding motorcycles I have a couple different styles of helmets and I started out with the half helmet that kind of comes right here it doesn't cover anything down here the reason I went with that because it's more comfortable <laughs> you know you get the air hitting every part of your your face and uh, then I went to the full helmet which covers my entire jaw comes all the way down to the back not as comfortable but it gives you more protection and so I decided to go with the more protection. And their helmet did that too. It covered all of their face and in the back to give them more protection. Um, and then it had a crest of either horse hairs or feathers on the top. And the soldiers could care less about that. That was the designers back in Rome that decided to do this. Um, it was made of bronze typically. Guys, can we all say bronze is going to be really heavy? That amount of bronze on their head, 30, 35 pounds, whatever. And because of its weight, they would line the inside with sponge. And I thought that was interesting. Uh, they didn't have synthetic material like we do for football helmets or uh, motorcycle helmets or whatever type of helmet, bike, bicycle helmets. So they, they took from the sea sponge, and they put that sponge in so it would fit their head tight, and it would give them protection. Now, this is interesting. The Roman soldier hung his helmet on, the, on a hook on his back, which was attached to his loin belt. And you can imagine, if they had to march 50 miles to fight, they didn't want to march with that helmet on, so they had a clip where it hung. And it was, it was on the belt. And that's interesting because it paints an image, it paints a picture, that if we put on our belt of truth, that's memorizing specific scriptures, then our helmet's there. It's, it's hanging there. And that's why it says, take the helmet. It's already there. So I just want to teach you how to put that baby on. If you have... If you have your belt on, the helmet's there already. So let's talk about its purpose, and the purpose is really simple. The helmet protected their head. <laughs> That's how simple it is. And think about battle. They have their helmet on. The enemy swings a sword. The sword hits them in the head. Um, they might need 10 extra strength Tylenol that night before they go to bed. 
but they still have a head. It protected their head. And many times when people teach the armor, they'll say that the helmet is renewing your mind, but that's not what a helmet does in battle. A helmet protects in battle. Your mind's renewed with the belt as you memorize Scripture. Memorizing Scripture renews your mind. This protects your head. And when we are in a battle, what needs protected? Our mind. Why? Because our minds want to quit. <laughs> our minds want to give up. And so God's created this helmet made of a substance called salvation that enables us to keep going and endure while we're in the middle of a battle, especially those extended battles. So it's for protection. So let's begin to take a look at our helmet. Uh, here's our text again, just the first part of it. It says, Ephesians 6:17, take the helmet of salvation. So our helmet is made of salvation, but this piece of armor is spoken of also in another part of the Bible. And listen to what it says about it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. And the hope of salvation as a helmet. Now, the word hope is always future. And now you can begin to see why I shared the story I shared. Watermelon and cold, a cold pool was hope. It was something out there in the future that enabled me to get through the torture of my, my physical training at the time. And so hope is always something out there. We're seeing, we're seeing the end of the battle while we're in the middle of the battle. And I love the way the New Living Translation says it, second edition. It says, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. In other words, I'm confident I will be delivered. I'm confident that I will win. So we just need to talk about the word salvation. It's a cool word. Um, the Greek word uh, is sotadios, and here's what it means. Bullinger says it means saving, delivering, restoring. Greek scholars say this. This word carries the idea of the hope of future salvation, deliverance, and restoration. And I love this. Salvation just means the win. Salvation is winning. So it's putting on in your mind and seeing the battle over. That's all it is, seeing the battle done. But I like deliverance too because from persecution we need extracted. And I love restoration because when you get into a battle, we get beat up. And sometimes in the middle of the battle, we can become very discouraged because we're so beat up, we wonder, will I ever come back in this area? Will I ever come back in that area? Another story. <clears throat> when I was 18, my brother Tony and I owned a gym at that time, I got into the best shape of my life. I was running a mile in under five minutes. I was lifting like crazy, strong, lifting. And I had all these buddies at the gym. And there was this one guy. He was a Golden Gloves boxer. And I had him by 30 pounds. I could outlift him, outrun him. And, and he would always be sassy with me, you know, that he could, he could outbox me. So one night, we're hanging out with a couple guys. He said, let's go over to my house. So he said, let's put the gloves on. So we put the gloves on. And uh, we're going to go three-minute rounds. So another buddy's timing the rounds. And I get in there with him. I'm thinking, I'm going to kill you. You know, I'm bigger than you. I can outrun you. And within a minute and a half, I was so tired, I couldn't lift my arms up. And when I, I was that tired, I couldn't actually protect myself. And when I came out, and he was a good friend, but he's a guy and guys will do this. I, I'm, I can't pick my arms up. So he started beating my face and beating my chest and beating my arms. And he did it the entire minute and a half that was left and when it was over, I couldn't fight another round. I was dying. I had bruises on my face. I had cuts on my face. I had bruises on my arms. And I went through a battle 
and I needed that thing called restoration. I literally didn't do anything for a week, and uh, I got myself restored. I learned something, too. Here's what I learned. Boxing shape is different than running shape, and boxing shape is different than lifting shape. I'll never forget that as long as I live. <laughs> I, I was watching Henderson last night. He, he, he won the middleweight uh, cage fighting championship, and at the end, he says, I want to give all glory to Jesus. I was so happy to hear him say that. But uh, I watched these guys fight last night in, in, in the heavyweight championship fight, and, and it was amazing. And I thought, I couldn't last 30 seconds with those guys. They're in a whole other kind of shape. But the pain went away, and I was restored. And here's what God's saying. Your helmet also is you painting an image, you thinking about the fact that yeah, this has been knocked out, this has been bruised, but God's the God who restores. And I will be restored in this area of my life. And it's just seeing the battle won, it's seeing you delivered, it's seeing restoration. And that's very, very important. So I'm going to give you three steps. Ready? Three steps to putting your helmet on. It's real simple. Number one, give thanks after you pray, release your shield or, or sword until victory comes. Now, we'll talk about releasing the sword, the shield, next week, and, and prayer. But the principle's identical in all three because all three are faith-based, so the principles are always the same. And we're going to read a prayer scripture, but after you swing your sword, you need to give thanks. After you put up your shield, you need to give thanks. You, you need to thank God that what you did worked. So listen to Philippians 4, 6, step number one. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition... With thanksgiving, the Greek word there means coupled together with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So keep that up. Let's talk about it for a minute. Whether you swung your sword and you spoke to something and commanded it to die or leave or whatever it is, or you put your shield up to protect yourself, or you prayed and asked God to help you or deliver you or do something, after you do that, you give thanks. That means you believe it worked. You believe God heard you. You believe your, your sword did what it was supposed to. You believe your shield did what it was supposed to. This is an incredibly important principle. But you don't just give thanks that day. Two days later, when nothing's changed, and your head's telling you your prayer didn't work, and your sword didn't work, and your shield didn't work, you don't have to repray. You just Give thanks that what you did worked, and you begin to thank God. You begin to thank him that the sword worked, the shield worked, the prayer worked, and, 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 and something incredible happens. It's supernatural. Did you notice verse 7? It says, and. That means you can't have verse 7 unless you do verse 6. So when you learn to give thanks, then something happens. And the peace of God, which transcends your intellect, your understanding, that's what you see with your eyes. And there's something that can transcend that. The word transcend means to supersede. So it's real. We're not denying reality. But God's peace can come up and it can literally guard your heart and your mind. And that's step one of getting that helmet on. Because if you get out of peace, you are finished in that battle. But peace is supernatural and it can come up. And even when you're swinging your sword, you're, even when your prayer hasn't been answered... That peace will guard your mind. And people can look at you sometimes and say, how can you be so calm in the middle of this problem? Well, you have your helmet on, that's why. Because the peace of God is superseding 
all the things that are taking place that you see with your head. So that's step one. Here's step two. Jesus taught us this. It's simply focusing your mind on your deliverance, victory, or restoration. It's thinking about the watermelon in the pool. Jesus didn't think about that, but he did think about something. Listen to Hebrews 2, verse 2, verse 3. Or Hebrews 12, excuse me, 2 and 3. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. We'll read it and we'll come back to this. Scorning his shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It's all about quitting. So he's saying, look at Jesus as an example. So I want to show you what Jesus did. Notice this. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Now the cross was not just physical. It was God turning his back on Jesus. It was, it, was, it was pain of God turning his back, God putting the sins of the entire world on Jesus. So it wasn't just the physical pain. It was everything. And how did he endure that? We know he was God, but he was in a human body. So how did his mind, how did his human body endure the pain of the cross? He looked at the joy that was set before him. So Jesus saw the end of the battle. What was the end of the battle for Jesus? Well, Part of it's in that verse. He, he would sit at the right hand of God, but that wasn't all of it. You know what Jesus fixed his mind on? You know what his watermelon and his cold pool was? It was you. He saw mankind accepting him as Savior and having their sins washed away. He focused on that. He saw mankind have the gift of righteousness and eternal life given. He saw mankind become a child of God. He saw mankind going to heaven and hanging out with him in heaven. So while he's suffering this rejection by God, God the Father turned his back on him. All the pain that was, he was going through, physical, emotional, spiritual, all that pain, his mind was fixed on the finished the end of the battle, and that's how Jesus endured the cross. His physical self endured it by seeing the end. Jesus put his helmet on. So I want to give you a scripture that is a helmet scripture for when you're persecuted. It's a cool scripture. It's one of the most positive scriptures in the Bible, and it goes like this. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18. The Lord will rescue me, and this would apply for any Christian, from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. How many of us in this room like the word every? <laughs> every is all. Now, evil attacks are referring to persecution. Paul's, this is in the center of a persecution section of scripture. And, and Paul says this, when I'm persecuted, I am convinced of one thing. God will extract me every single time. And so when you're being persecuted by a person, what do you focus your mind on? This is the scripture, man. God's going to deliver me every single time. And as you're seeing that, you can endure like Jesus endured the cross. This is a scripture you want to make sure you memorize. Now, here's the third thing we need to learn to do. Before I read the scripture, let me set it up. This is the psalmist speaking. And at the time he wrote this, he's going through a really, really terrible, difficult time. And he's wanting to just quit God. He's wanting to walk away from it all. So he does something, which is step three of putting our helmet on. It's really, really a cool thing. 
And we know this psalm, but I, wanna, I want you to understand what he was doing. He talked to himself. Psychologists today call it self-talk. He was encouraging his soul or his mind. And it reads like this, Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, my soul. He's talking to his mind. He says, bless the Lord, my soul, all my being. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, my soul. Do not forget all the gifts of God, or as we some translations say, benefits. And then he starts talking to his mind, saying, who pardons all your sins, heals all your ills, delivers your life from the pit, surrounds you with love and compassion, fills your days with good things. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. What's he doing? He's simply talking to his mind, reminding his mind that God always comes through. So his helmet's now completely on. It's tight because he did these three things. And when you and I do these three things, we thank God, we see the finished battle, and we encourage ourselves when we need it, that helmet's strapped on, and we can keep swinging our sword, throwing a lance of prayer, and we can keep putting the shield up and holding it up and have the strength. This is how we put it on. So now I want to give you some scenarios, just three, and we'll have some fun with this. Are, are you ready? Here's, here's scenario number one. Putting your helmet on in the midst of a relationship battle. So I have two categories. First category is make sure. In other words, if this is going to work, make sure you do these other Bible principles. So here's the make sure. You ready? Make sure you seek peace. This is Romans 12, verse 18. Make sure you seek peace. The Bible says this. It says, if it's possible, as much as is with you, seek to make peace with every person. If, if, so that means we do everything we can to make peace with someone. And uh, that might mean a third party. And, and I've learned this in 29 years of pastoring. Sometimes when we're in a relationship battle, whoever it's with, doesn't matter if it's our mate or someone else, we need a Christian counselor. We need a Christian psychologist who we can sit down with and have them walk us through because typically we're stuck on what we're stuck on, the other person's stuck on what they're stuck on, and we can't see past that. We can't see past the hurt. We can't see past the pain. We need someone else to come in that has nothing invested in either one of us that can help us walk through. So sometimes seeking peace is also making sure you sit down and you do everything you can to make this baby work. I always say to people, imagine yourself 10 years down the road. And how are you going to feel 10 years down the road about how you handled this situation? Do you want to be able to look back and say, I gave it 100%. I did everything that could be done and there was nothing else that can be, could be done? Or do you want to 10 years from now say, man, I wish I would have tried harder. wish I would have sat with a counselor. I wish we would have worked this out. So seek peace. Do everything you can to fix that baby. And, and, and then here's the second thing. Pray and ask God to become involved. That's important. I'm assuming that you're doing this. Make sure you do that. Number three, pray for them, not against them. You realize if you pray against them, it won't work anyway, but it's really going to help you have peace if you pray for them. There's something that's just incredible that happens when we begin to pray for somebody. Those are the three things you want to make sure you do. Now, here's how you put your helmet on. Number one, give thanks that God heard your prayer and is working in the situation. You know, weeks down the road when it looks like this thing's getting worse, take a moment and just give some thanks and thank God that he's working in it. It, 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 will, it will begin to release God in your mind. And then number two, focus on the battle being over. And I, I want to suggest to you, 
you focus on the relationship being fixed. But understanding that some relationships can't be fixed. All of us in this room have, have broken relationships. We have friends we're no longer friends with. We wanted to be friends, but we couldn't. Or maybe we were the ones that, you know, we're the ones that wouldn't listen to God and yield, and the relationship ended because of us. Either way, aren't you glad God forgives us if we repent? I'm, I'm glad about that. But see it as being restored. But then there comes a time in relationships where God will release you and you just know, I gave this all I, I could give it. My emotions can't take anymore. This is a necessary ending. And there's a great book called Necessary Endings, and some of you may, may really enjoy reading it. Now, here's the next thing you do. Three, encourage your soul when necessary that God is working on their hearts, Psalm 103. And if you do that, your helmet will be on as you walk through relationship battles. And I think relationship battles are the toughest battles there are because obviously if you're having a battle with a relationship, that's somebody you really love and care about. You, you were close to them at one time. You had something that was real. So those can tear you up more than anything. And I have gone through some relationships that I'm no longer in, that I wish I was in, but I'm not. And I, I, I had to come to the conclusion I did everything I could and maybe I didn't do as well as I could have, but I tried with what I knew and understood, and this baby's over, and you have to walk away, and God always restores and gives you more friends and so on and so forth. So uh, uh, here, here's the second, uh, second thing we, we want to talk about. Um, hmm, persecution. Putting your helmet on in the midst of a persecution battle. Now, you want to make sure you pray and ask God to deliver and strengthen you. That's Mark 16, 13, Ephesians 3, 16. Ask God to get involved. Deliver me, God. And then number two, you want to make sure you pray for them. And number three, you want to make sure you walk in love towards them. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, 44, Luke 6, 27, he said, love, love your enemies. He said, pray for your enemies. And so make sure if you're being persecuted that you do those things. And, and here's one more thing I would encourage you to do. Worship when you're feeling oppressed or weak. There's something special about worship, and um, anybody that knows me knows that I talk about this a lot. There are some days where I'll sit and talk to people, and some days I'll do two or three people in a row that I'll sit and I'll try to help them through a major problem. They're having a major problem in their life. So I'm trying to help them through. And after you, you hear that from two or three people, what they're going through, it, it can weigh you down, and you can feel really awful because you've just, you know, some, three people unloaded their problems on you. And I'll do this quite often in my office. Um, I'll, I'll just turn the music on. I have two or three favorite worship songs. I'll put them on. I'll sit in my chair, and I'll just raise my hands, and I'll worship God from the, from the middle of my heart, center of my heart. And I'll just sit there and worship him and worship him and then just sit there in his presence and it's amazing what happens, how God just washes you when all that's happening. When you're being persecuted, it's an amazing thing if you just take some time to worship. And I think anybody that knows me knows that I'm, I'm a normal guy. Normal guys worship. And, and uh, it's okay. You can be manly and worship God. It's, it's important. So then how do you put your helmet on? Well, number one, give thanks that God will deliver you. Same principles. Number two, focus on your deliverance. And number three, encourage your soul when necessary 
that God will come through. And if you do that, you'll be able to endure to the end. One more scenario. Here, here we go. Putting our helmet on when a battle can be won. The make sure is just one line. You ready? Make sure you fight back by praying, releasing your sword or shield. I mean, take a swing. Fight. Put the shield up. Pray. Ask God to help you. Whatever it's going to be, however you're going to go about it, do it. And then after you do it, here's how you put your helmet on. You, you do it by giving thanks that God heard your prayer, your sword defeated the enemy, or your shield is holding the enemy off and protecting you. And when a week passes, you lift your hands again and you just thank God. You just keep thanking God that what you did worked. And what you're doing is keeping it alive. You're putting that helmet on. Here's second thing, focusing on the battle being over and your life restored 100%. We know, that we know how to do that. And number three, encouraging your soul when necessary that God is working in your behalf. And just stay there swinging, stay there with your shield up, stay there praying, and that helmet will get you through. You'll see your watermelon, you'll see your, your pool water, and whatever that needs to be, you'll see it, and you can endure. Now, I realize this in teaching this today. I threw out a lot at you because I, I wanted to be thorough. I want you to understand it. So I want to remind you that this PowerPoint will be on the Internet by Tuesday. This lesson will be on there so you can rewatch it, but you can also get the PowerPoint. And if you have the BC iPad or I, uh, uh, iPhone app, the uh, PowerPoint's on there, so you can get all this information. It's really simple stuff, but if you're hearing it for the first time, uh, you, you, you may need to just go review it. But this helmet changes everything and brings us to a place to where we don't quit in a battle that we can win. So let me tell you what I see, okay? Here's what I see. I see a church full of people that are able to walk in peace, enjoy, and love God, and have a high quality of life when they're in the middle of a storm or they're in the middle of a battle. I see a group of people who will not quit, who will keep going until victory comes. Thus, I see a group of people that are people that are victorious in every area of their life. It might take us a little while. You might have to grow into it, but I see a group of people that can't be beat, and I'm excited about that, and I'm excited about what God's going to do in your life. Now, I realize there are some of you here, right now you're in the middle of a battle. Right now the battle's taking place. So let's pray. Let's look up to heaven, and, and if you're in the middle of a battle, I want to give you a chance either to give it to God, to release your sword, to put your shield up, I want to give you a chance to put your helmet on. And according to what the battle is, maybe you're dealing with sickness, I, I want you to begin to see yourself healed. Just begin to see, what would you do if you were healed? What would you do if that thing wasn't in you? I want to help you focus your mind on that so you can keep fighting. If it's your finances are a mess, I want, I want you to see yourself financially free. I want you to see yourself without the debt. And all you're doing is putting your helmet on. Uh, you're seeing the battle won. And focus on that. Now, I'm not telling you to deny reality, but I'm telling you, put your mind on that. Keep praying. Keep swinging your sword. Do the things you need to do, but put your mind on the finished battle. Now, I know God's speaking to some of your hearts, so I'm going to allow you to do that. Just take 30 seconds and do that.
Lord, I pray for every person in this room as I've already prayed for them before this service. Lord, thank you for opening up our spiritual understanding. Thank you for bringing us to the place where it's so simple to put our helmets on. Thank you for making it as simple as I can't wait to eat watermelon or jump in the pool. Thank you for helping all of us learn to endure. And thank you that you're also the God that restores. And I thank you for restoring things that have been lost in these dear people's lives. If you can agree with that prayer, would you say amen? Now, first service, you're my brightest service. I want you to know that. Uh, you're my most spiritual service. So uh, I know you understand this. I know your life is going to just go up to another level. For many of you, you know this, and we're just helping you go a little further with it. Before I dismiss you, I want to pray for one more thing. So can we bow our heads, close our eyes? If you're here and you're not sure of your eternity, you can't put your bulletproof armor on until you become a Christian. So maybe you're here and you, you don't know, hey, if I die, where am I going to go? You're not sure about God, about eternity. Maybe you walked in here an atheist. Maybe you walked in here an agnostic. Maybe you just walked in here really confused about God. Maybe you walked in here hurt by God for one reason or another. But let me tell you the most important message in all the world. It's, it's the most important message in the Bible. Jesus died so we can live. That's why he went to the cross. We're celebrating his birth in just a couple weeks, but he was born to die. And he went to that cross and God put our sins on him. And we saw how he endured it today by seeing you and I accept him. And if you're here and you can't remember a day in your life where you prayed and asked Jesus to be your Savior, I want to give you a chance to do it. Now, heads are bad, eyes are closed. Listen, listen very closely. America is what you call a post-Christian nation. Uh, Christianity's become religion, but it's not always a heart thing. There's so many people that say they're Christian that it hasn't happened in their heart. And that's what happens as a nation ages. That's what happened in Europe. It's happening in America. And so everything you've learned in church is awesome, and, and, and yet if you haven't made a personal connection, you miss the whole message of the Bible. It's all about a personal connection. It's you receiving Jesus from your heart. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, man, I believe he's Savior. I'm ready to accept him. Uh, maybe you prayed all kinds of rote prayers in church. That's cool. Nothing wrong with it. But now it's all about you doing it from your heart. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here, you say, I'm ready. Would you pray with me? Everyone else, would you help them? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, <clears throat> I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe everything the Bible said about you. And this day, I receive you as Savior and make you Lord of my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Connecting Place podcast. For more information about Believer's Church, visit believers.cc.